Hello and welcome to Conversations with Kath, the podcast that keeps you up to date with the daily antics of your mother, your Alma, your friend, or whatever Kath Vanderhorst is to you. So grab a glass of Harvey Bristol, put the phone on silent, and let's see what's been keeping our favourite nine-year-old busy this week. And it's a very good evening to Alma Kath. How are you tonight, Alma? I'm very well, thank you, Matt. And how are you? I'm very well. It's been a, a while since we've had one of these and you're in another lockdown. <laughs> yeah, I know. So week, week two of your, your lockdown and um, how's the, or ha- how's it going? Are you, are you lonely? Are you you're okay? You're still surviving? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay, Matt. Excellent. I'm okay. And of course, Uncle, Uncle Mick can come and visit you, is that right? Because he's not too far away. Yeah, oh, well. He comes occasionally and the kids might call him. Yeah, okay. You but they're all them. working, you know, and the kids are going to school, so. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't think they can go to school in this lockdown, this one, but from what I hear, is that right? I'm not sure. Homeschool. Homeschooling. Homeschool, okay. Yeah. And that's Becky in the background there. Thanks, Beck. Special comments, helping out over yeah. again. Good on you. <laughs> now, almost. We thought tonight, um, with our special guest, uh, Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob, how are you? Good, thanks, Matt. No way. Oh, well, we thought we'd have a chat about um, and also expand on uh, the Thai vino. Now, for those who aren't aware, probably the, maybe the younger generation or the younger kids, Thai vino was the, uh, the brand of wine or the, the name of the wine, Opa, um, Opa being Alma Cass' husband, my Alpa, um, used to make from the backyard or in his distillery at 44 Railway Avenue, Tynal. Um Now, I'm not too sure if Tyvino is, well, still in existence anymore. I mean, there was mass production back in the day. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a bottle in front of me, which I'll explain a bit later on with Uncle Bob, but I don't know of how many of the other siblings or aunties and uncles actually have, have any bottles left. Um, they might be a bit scarce, but I know, Olma, you've probably gone through all your stash. Yeah, I drank it all. Drank it all? <laughs> Uncle Bob, do you have any Tyvino bottles? No, no, no Tyvino here, because um, mainly because we're not real big wine drinkers uh, in my family, in my immediate family. Okay. All right. It'd be interesting to hear from anybody listening if they've got a bottle. If they have, just throw a comment out on the Facebook. Now, Alma, the wine making itself from Olpa, did, how long ago did that start? Did it start when you first came to Australia or did it later on in, in life? Oh, later on, Matt. Later on. After he retired, really, that's when he started. Ah, so he needed a hobby and he thought... Making alcohol would, would be the would be the perfect thing. Yeah, well, he tried beer, but beer didn't work. He didn't like it. Now, beer was was not one of the things you used to drink, was it, when you first came to Australia? Yeah. yeah. No, couldn't get on board. No. So, what were some of the things you used to drink over here? <laughs> we used to. Um, well, of course, you, you, you couldn't buy anything except um, there was no wine on the market. And it was all, um, oh, what do you call it, liqueur. Oh, okay. And I remember, I think it was Tia Maria that we used to drink. And we used to drink it straight. Right, hardcore. 
<laughs> so, you know. Before arriving in Australia, what was the the thing you drink mostly back in back in uh, Holland? I drink Kuber. What about the Australian gin? Do you do you drink any of that? No, no. never. Never. Okay. No. Just can't couldn't quite replicate the the goodness of the Geneva from uh, Holland, eh? Yeah, made by balls. Balls. In Holland, you can still get that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, you can buy still it on the market. It's mm -hmm. an uh, you can buy different ones. There's a berry, a berry, um, berry one made out of uh, berries. It's called Kuberg. Kuberg. Okay. Yeah. Now, when Tyvino came in production, Omar, was that something you would start to drink as well with, with Oprah, or were you still more drinking drink, drinking other things? No, no, no. When Oprah started making his wine, that's all we had. So you're almost like the the taste tester of, of his production. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he made different ones. He made apricot wine and peach wine and blackberry wine and all sorts of things, whatever was available. Yeah, right. And was this a um, so it was only with those fruits to be? Was it a sweet, a, a sweet wine? Yeah, it was a sort of a sweet wine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's very potent. Yeah, was it? Yeah, well. About eighteen percent, I think, <laughs> if I remember right. I, I never, I never had the opportunity to taste uh, any Tyvino, but um, yeah, I do remember. And anybody I've asked used to say that it was yeah, quite a high volume percentage volume. Yeah, well, we just called it. We had to call it something, so we called it Tyvino. We had um, we had a Dutch friend that designed the label, and um, and Peter, I think, printed them all out. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. There you go. And whereabouts did Opa source the the fruits for these, these wines? Oh, we used to go to the Daniel Market. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and Queen. we used to go pick blackberries and things like that. Yeah. Queen Vic Market as well. Yeah, the oh, Vic okay. Market. Yeah. yeah. Where are you, Bob? I can't see you anymore. Video's oh. off. I told him to turn his video off just to improve his audio quality. So we'll oh, see how that goes. Um, now, I remember, well, I might, I might be not remembering correctly, but did you have blackberries at the back of your property that Olka used to pick for, for the wine? Oh, when they <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes they were big enough, they grew through the hedges. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we used to go, pick, and I used to go with Michael. You know, we used to go camping in, um, in, um, well, Mick used to go fishing, yeah. and I used to pick blackberries, and we used to come home with buckets and buckets full of it. Oh, wow. Okay. And then we go to coal, and they were selling them in a little punnet <laughs> for about five or, five or six dollars, and we had buckets. <laughs> and Opa made it all into wine. Beautiful. Beautiful. You, are, you are right, though. Up on the, not mum's back fence, or not almost back fence, but the back fence on the other side of the laneway. Yeah, yeah. That was all covered in blackberries and probably when you were a kid uh, at Almas all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that, that back strip was covered in blackberries. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's that's what I remember. Yeah. yeah. I remember all about that, that direction. Um, now, did you ever get to taste any of it, Bob? I know you're not a, a wine drinker, but did you get to have a sample of Tyson? Oh, I, I did. I tasted it and it just reaffirmed the fact that I was not a wine drinker. didn't like it. <laughs> 
Um, I'm, I like the I, uh, I stuck with spirits. But Tina, uh, my wife Tina, she actually quite enjoyed the apricot Tyvino. Is that Tina what you see in the background there? Yeah, yeah, she just yelled out she liked the apricot one. So, how are you, Tina? How's it going? Thanks. Was there any other um, varieties, Tina, that you tried as well, apart from the apricot? That you remember? Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, I just remember the apricot one. Yeah, must have been a good one. There, there was a mango. I believe the mango was quite nice. Mm. Uh, not yeah. for me. Um, yeah. Peach, peach. Yeah. From, yeah. But well, yeah. from what others um it was so there was there was many varieties a lot of flavors matt whatever the old man could find he turned it into wine <laughs> i'm lucky enough to have a bottle as i said in front of me here which is black current and it looks like it's um october of 2002 um so that might have been one of the towards the end of his production yeah yeah, yeah. um and at 16.3 percent it's got on it um, and the number at the bottom is 1,005. So would, would, does that sound accurate? Would he have made that many bottles of wine? Would, that, would this be a different a number that's related to something else perhaps? Oh, I'm not sure. Would he have made over 1,000? I oh, would say that. He drank it as fast as he made it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, yeah, there, there would have been thousands of bottles made, Matt. Yeah, right. Okay. So that's probably... Jeez, okay. Collector's item. Yeah, that's right. I wonder what it would sell for on the, on the market. Probably. <laughs> it's vintage. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure how it would uh, taste these days. I, I don't know that it was a, um, a vintage wine. Per <laughs> day. So it's probably a little bit vinegary by now. <laughs> yeah. I did hear, though, I think, Olma, you were saying that um, you never used to wake, wake up with a hangover after drinking this Never, morning. never, never. It had no preservatives in it, Matt. Which means it's definitely past its use by that. Mm. It, it probably yeah. matures with age, like a good wine does. Yeah. Alcohol is its own preservative. Oh, okay. So the... the the preservatives mum talks to is the artificial sweeteners that they put into both wines and, and spirits um, to, to give the illusion of the age. So you know, bad sugar after the process, that's what gives you the, the hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, Bob, you... Um are also a bit of a home brewer as well, aren't you? Uh, yes. Or you uh, are or you were? Oh, look, I still dabble and, and I intend sort of going back into it a little bit um, when I've got more time. Um, but I still have a bit of a play every now and then. I've still got my, my home still. So it's um, spirits that I make, not, not wine. So... And did you get into this um, around the same time Opal was doing his? Um, yeah, so towards the end of Opal's run, I, I was then making um, um, distilled spirits. So, you know, I, I started making a neutral spirit and then using the, 
the flavourings that you can buy from the home brew shop. Yeah. Um, not happy with the result, I then started getting right into it and distilling, you know, from scratch. So I'd I'd make a scotch from grains and and things, and just rum. Rum was the biggest one we've made. Um, we used to make thousands of litres of that <laughs> by the arm because uh, yes. Old Polk no, was a, um, also a spirit drink wasn't he a bourbon was his, his uh, spirit yeah, choice so you probably remember the Jim Beam bottles mm, he, think, um, yeah. he drank Jim Beam white label yeah. um, drank it for years uh, early days when um, when the budget was a little tighter he drank Ryo which is um, just straight out rocket fuel, um, <laughs> unrefined rocket fuel, I might say. Um, so that was the the early days that I can remember him drinking. But yeah, you know, the the stories that he used to tell from his his younger day, he used to distill his own whiskey and and bourbon as well. Uh, back in his army days, he uh, he made fire to things as well. So. Uh, it must be a family tradition to set fire to things with a still. <laughs> You've done something similar, haven't you? Uh, yes, yes. Like I said, upholding the family tradition. <laughs> Have you passed it on to your kids yet? Uh, well, yes. Daniel's had a go at that as well. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't burnt anything significant down yet. Given time, I'm sure he'll get there. He's learned from the mistakes of the past. It's good. No, no. He just hasn't got there yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. So, okay. So we've worked out that Opa um, was distilling at a younger age prior to distilling the wine. So it what really probably wasn't something new to him then. He's obviously always had it, you know, as a, as a, as a like to, to, to go on and do it later in life as well. Sort of come back to it after his um, full-time work, I guess. It, it comes down to time, Matt. So um, whether you're, you're distilling spirits or whether you're, you're making wine, it requires quite a lot of time and, and effort. So I would say that uh, in his younger day, just like my younger day, when um, you're looking to save money but drink plenty, you, uh, you get fairly well involved. You make the time to make the alcohol. Um, in your, your mid-years when you're sort of making or the opportunity to make the money to buy the alcohol means that you don't have time to make the alcohol. And then once you, uh, you get towards the, the more retired years, you've got the time to, to make it again. So for most people, making wine or spirits is a bit of a, bit of a passion. It's, it's not necessarily about just making the alcohol. Mm. It's about the craftsmanship of making a, a good wine or a good spirit, something you can sort of be proud of and sit down and drink. Uh, Michael is the only one that um, still makes beer. And he's been doing it for a long, long time. Yeah, I remember um, as, a, as a kid, Uncle Mick uh, make, making beer and yeah. passing it on to Dad. Yeah. I think he's, yeah. he's making stout these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I've heard is, is a quite nice drop as well. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's moving into um, um, the... The apple ciders and things as well. He wants to have a bit of a go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he makes ciders. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Whereabouts was Olpa's, um, in, in, in inverted commas, distillery? Was it just, yeah, in, in the back shed, was it, or in the post office, or in the, well, I remember in, on the kitchen benches always the back, yeah. tubs of fruit. When the post office closed, that was where he did all his brewing. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So just, just to sort of uh, clarify it a little bit, Matt, the, the wine-making process is, is not distilling, it's just, it's just a wine-making process. So the, the difference is you ferment your fruit, which the fermentation process produces alcohol, yep. and then that that is actually the wine. If you then put that wine through a, a, a still, you'll then get brandy or, you know, whatever the, that fruit would produce. So for a, a bourbon or a scotch, that comes from a grain, so whiskies, uh, barley, rye, uh, corn, that sort of thing. Okay. <clears throat> so a fruit like um, like a, a, an apricot wine would make something along the lines of apricot brandy or apricot snaps. Hmm. So, so the, what uh, Opal was doing in the end was just purely wine making. There was no still no fire involved. Um, so it was a, you know, a wine is a lower um, alcohol content, yeah. albeit making stuff 12 and 18%. Um, I, I would then take that 12 and 18% wine, put it through the still and come out at about 45 to 55%. Alcohol. Right, okay. That's the process. And, yeah. Yeah. So when... Um, Opal would have all these, you know, ice cream containers or, you know, these white tubs um, full of fruit sitting on the, on the kitchen bench. Is that was, they were just fermenting, were they? They were just going through their process of, of breaking down. Yeah. So on the, the stuff that bench was probably wasn't quite there yet. He right. would use um, a 20 litre or 60 litre uh, barrel, little plastic barrel um with a with an airlock with lid and an airlock on it and that that would be the fermenting process mm. and it was used it was usually in a box with light and uh and a temperature gauge so that you could keep it at a constant temperature so the the white ice cream container type things you would have seen on the bench that would have been his fruits when he was weighing up and and oh. sort of getting the set of brew down Okay. Um, the brew itself would have been in a, in a plastic drum in the post office. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, f from that, I gathered, yeah, that, well, what I took away as, as a kid and I realised now as an adult, he was quite dedicated to the cause um, and, yeah, like experimenting with the different fruits and putting as much time as he did into it. He was uh, quite yeah. quite passionate. Absolutely. And, and all winemakers are, basically. To, to be a winemaker and, and produce something that is not just palatable but is enjoyable to drink, you actually have to put in, you know, a serious... It's not something you can sort of go, oh, I'll chuck a load of wine on today. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a passion that mm. has to be... You know, it's, it's a craft. You know, it's just like every other um, industry in life where you know, you've either got the, the passion to do it or you don't. So 
if you're not passionate about wine making, don't do it because you won't make anything great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you definitely need the time. Sounds like a top retirement thing. And mostly it is. I mean, you, you get some young people, you know, making wine and that sort of stuff, but generally home home brewing is usually to people who are who are starting to retire and have got that time on their hands to to put to it. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, this uh, the bottle I've got is 2002, so it looked like he he was passionate about the, the wine making right up to the end, which which is which is great. Uh, yep. It was. And look, you know, it didn't always go smoothly. Um, I I still remember as a as a kid sitting in the in the back lounge room before it was quite like it is today. But the um, the pantry, the the full top shelf of the pantry used to have his uh, wine racks, and the entire top shelf was just you know bottles of wine just just sitting there laying on their their side so the, the cork's facing outward not upward so the the idea there is you keep your cork uh moist at all times you don't want your cork to dry out and uh if he bottled it a little bit early and it was still fermenting a little um yeah the, the corks wouldn't be able to put up with the pressure so one night what tv we start to go and there was just I, I don't know how many bottles it was. It must have been a minimum of 30 bottles let go. And the whole opposite wall was just red, deep red with wine because once the corks let go, it just burst the wine onto the wall. Oh, man, it was a mess. That <laughs> just looked like a murder. <laughs> oh, what a lot of murdered bottles of wine. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's but that's what happens. Yeah, you know, the the fermenting process creates uh, gas, mm. and if you bottle too early, you you uh, the gases build up in the bottle until either the bottle breaks or the cork lets go. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. Let me jump into a question. Whenever you used to have happy hour, was, was Thai vino something you um, used to always serve to your your guests used to come around? Oh, well, <coughs> happy hour was always around about five o'clock in the afternoon when we closed to both of us. Yeah. And people used to come, they all knew. Go to Vanderhorst to go and have happy hour. <laughs> and and we just to feed them the wine. <laughs> don't be fooled by the hour part because happy hour used <laughs> two, three, four hours or until you went to bed. Not during the day though. Not in the afternoon. Once the uh, post office was closed. Yeah. Yeah, from five o'clock onwards. Yeah. 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 And was how was the um what was the reception of the Tyvino like with your friends Omar and, and friends and family? Did well, everyone all, everyone loved it? Yeah, they all loved it. Oh good. Yeah. They all loved it. Excellent. Of course I did. Free booze. <laughs> Everyone loves free booze, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, thanks for um, 
give you an insight into Tyvino. Yeah, I saw the bottle in, in my pantry and I thought, oh, let's have a chat about that because I never really knew much of the backstory. So that's been that's been good, enlightening. And hopefully there's some, um, I'm not the only one with the bottle, hopefully some other people have got bottles out there as well so we can pass them down the line to our kids and, and so on. Bit of history. Mm. Maybe I need to send you a, a bottle of my lab. <laughs> What's your one called, Bob? Uh, Rob's Grog. <laughs> What's he called it? Rob's Grog. Rob's Grog. Rob's Grog. <laughs> the label actually. Uh, is it drinkable? Yeah, of course it's drinkable. But it was uh, Rob's Grog brewed, brewed out the back um, 50 something percent uh, <laughs> by volume or, or something to that line. I'd have to dig out one of the labels and see, but. Yeah. If you, can find, if you can find that label, Bob, take a picture of it and put it in the in the Facebook group so everyone can have a look. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Bob. Thanks for um, jumping on and giving your um, your 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 knowledge about the, the Tyvino and your um, yeah, distilling days. Mm. Always a pleasure. And for clarifying the difference between winery and distillery, you're always learning something on these podcasts. That's what they're for. That's it. That's what it's all about. Oma, thank you for jumping on. Thank you, Matt, for doing this. Most Tina, enjoyable. Nice to hear from you, Tina. She gone? Yeah, she's in the other lounge room now. All right. Becky, thanks for uh, helping Oma out. No worries. Great. And hopefully we'll be back next week for another episode of Conversations with Kath. And just remember, if you've got a topic or a suggestion for something you want to hear about, or even if you want to jump on and have a chat with Olga and, and, and myself and whoever, the more the merrier. Just let me know and we'll organise something. So we'll talk okay. to you soon. Thank you.